Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. We got a newbie, a first timer in the studio. Oh boy. Yeah. First first time in a recording studio. Not, never mind first podcast. Yeah, he first said first I, yeah, podcast what, too. I know. You guys are going to forgive my blenders because it's my first time. <laughs> it's all yes. good. Okay. All right, yes. Great. Yes. So today in the studio, we have today's guest. Lamar Cook. Lamar Cook and I met ooh, recent. At the speakeasy. Yes, at the speakeasy. And he was like, oh, people keep telling me I need to talk to you. And you have a podcast and I have a story. And I was like, what's your story? From homeless to now I own multiple companies. And I was like, well, that's a story. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and there's your selling proposition to get onto the show. (laughs) Should we explain what speakeasy means? It sounds a bit salacious. No, it is salacious. We like it that way. way. (laughs) (laughs) The speakeasy is. We like the mystery. No, don't tell. Keep the mystery. I I was going to say, it's a mystery (laughs) for Pete's sake. Oh my goodness gracious today. I'm feisty this Friday. You are feisty this Friday. We (laughs) can't go three weeks without recording. I found Sarah. I pulled her to the car and I said, hey, let me talk to you. Since we're making this salacious, I will. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fun times. All right. You, You were in the military too, right? I was in the military. I was actually in the Marine Corps. So interestingly enough, when I left here, what, at? 22. I never thought I'd be back. So I was uh, right at uh, Camp Lejeune, North mm-hmm. Carolina. Came back to Michigan, did a few things around retail management. Said, you know what? This is a lot of work for a little bit of money. Take my butt back to school. So I went to uh, school, did an undergraduate degree, MBA and so forth. And sort of went up the ranks through corporate America. But then I soon began to see that I wasn't satisfied because I'm actually an entrepreneur at heart. And I decided I needed to do something to get back out there. So I started dabbling in real estate investing. And I had a notion. I said, you know what? I want to open a franchise one day. And the only thing I knew about franchises was McDonald's. So I'm going to open a <laughs> McDonald's. Now, we all know you need at least a million dollars to open a McDonald's. But I was, I was on that. I, that was my goal. I said, I'm going to do this. So I uh, started buying up real estate, multifamily units and whatnot in the Detroit area. And on my way to building my uh, net worth and my equity in myself. And then what happened? The housing crash. Of course, a lot of people in Detroit couldn't afford to pay their rent. I ran into all kinds of problems. And I don't tell most people this, but I'm going to put it out into the air. I had several foreclosures as Mm -hmm. a result of that. Mm -hmm. Actually had my real estate business fail at that point. But fortunately, I wasn't dependent on it for my livelihood. I still had my corporate job. This was a 2008 Housing crisis. This is a 2008 housing crisis. Dropped. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was working for Deloitte and Touche at the time. I was traveling all around the country. And then I had the uh, good fortune of actually working on the IT to divest uh, portfolio of the company or the organization that actually caused the fall. Interesting. Uh, can't get their name, that, but anyway. No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. It's all good. So it was interesting. So I ended up working on, on Wall Street at the time. But I, great jobs, great career, making good money, but not quite satisfied because I knew I could do a lot more for myself. And I wasn't really flexing my entrepreneurial muscles as I actually wanted. Mm-hmm. Here I am doing my, my corporate thing and, and wanting to be an entrepreneur and get, a, get away from that altogether. I'm, I'm back into real estate doing that. Housing market fails. I said, I'm going to leave real estate alone for a while and, and, and just 
concentrate on my corporate job. Where did the the line go from Michigan and working corporate to landing back in North Carolina recently? Okay. Number of relocations with different jobs that I took. Stayed the entire time and I, as an IT executive, moved around, again, moved from Deloitte over to uh, Dow Chemical and from Dow Chemical to Kellogg. And then from Kellogg, I ended up here in, in North Carolina. And again, IT executive all along the way, decided to get back into uh, real estate and started uh, buying up houses again, this time in the Chicago area, building that and then an epiphany, I guess you could say, hit me. It was like, you know what? You don't have to have a million dollars to open a franchise. You can actually open it up for a dollar. Say what? A dollar. One dollar. Well, and I, I did what? have, I was letting the story flow because I was like, so yeah, you have to, like, there, was it an ideal of I'm going to own a McDonald's franchise because that means that I have a million dollars in assets that show that I can like, so was it more about the million dollars in assets that meant you could attain the McDonald's or was it like a, like I have my heart and soul set on getting a McDonald's franchise. Oh, I didn't care. It was a McDonald's. Right. Okay. It, was, it was building my net worth so that I, McDonald's would even talk to me right. about opening up a, a, a franchise. Cause that's what I learned that, that was needed. But then I later found out I'm in the Chicago area and attending a title boxing club. So I'm talking to the owner there and I say, Hey, is this a franchise? And he's yes. He said, I said, I'd be interested in opening up something like this. And he said, that's great. And so three months later, the guy calls me, my now business partner, Richie Patel. And Richie says, hey, there is a title boxing that's available in Schaumburg. It's a resale, as they call it in the franchise business. And we can pick it up for little or nothing. Would you like to partner on it? I was like, sure. And so <clears throat> we checked it out. I didn't know Richie from Adam, quite frankly. But we decided to put together a partnership agreement. We bought the franchise for $1. I don't so, even understand. I that. Like How do we I do can't it? comprehend it. So yeah. was it a re- was it a resale because the owner failed? It was a resale because the owner was failing. Okay. He had a number of franchises. He spent very little time there. And there's different models of franchises, of course. So there's some executive models, there's absentee owner, there's owner operator and so forth. This one required the owner to be there at least some of the time to run the thing, mm-hmm. but he was never around. In fact, his uh employee said that he was there maybe four times out of four years. Oh wow. So Pretty much ran into the ground, did not do any updates to the the franchise itself. As a result, he decided he wanted to sell it. And he was going to, of course, he was, he didn't care it was a dollar. He's getting the tax write off. Mm -hmm. That's what he was interested in. So Richie and I picked it up and then we both went in and this was, to me, it was like, this is like housing. This is like doing a flip yes, or a rehab. That's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking too. Right? Yep. 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 Because I'm picking it up for nothing, yep. but I'm going to have to make a major investment into bringing it to uh, profitability. profitability. Yep. And, and that's exactly what we did. We picked it up for nothing. The franchisor worked with us very closely. We went in and put, I would say about 75 to 100,000 each into the club Mm -hmm. and brought the club to profitability. Mm -hmm. So again, bought it for a dollar, just took a little time to to turn things around, get some money from other areas and then make it profitable. Gotcha. The partnership with somebody that you didn't know from Adam. That's similar to how we knew each other, but it was like, hey, let's do this together. And, but we didn't know what any of the dynamics were going to bring. So how did you, you said you built, drew up a partnership agreement, but how did you know, did you just trust your gut or that he wasn't going to turn around and embezzle or like, how do you no. make sure that your partner's not a shit is basically like what That's I want to know. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you, it was a bit of trust in my gut. I, I did some research on him as well. I'm sure he did so on me. 
And then understanding that he was out of corporate America, much like me, not to say that's going to make you honest, like, as you said, and not embezzle the company. <laughs> right. Uh, just curious. We also put all of the legal contracts and agreements in place. Mm-hmm. So one safeguard is a franchise. With a franchise, you have a franchise agreement and you have to do reporting to the franchisor. Makes it a little difficult, even if you were a sole proprietor to steal, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. everything has to be reported. There's royalties and so forth. So there's a, a bit of a protection there. Then the legal entity that we put in place, right? We put an S corp in place with him having 51% and me having 49 because somebody has to have the majority yep. share for yep. the franchise. So we did that, working with our individual CPAs and attorney and so forth. So it wasn't just a matter of, hey, you know what? I think you're going to be a good guy to work with. Let's just sign a partnership agreement and do this. We put a number of safeguards in place for that. Mm-hmm. I want to pause right here because this is there's a takeaway here that every entrepreneur needs to hear. And if you're listening to this, if you're a sales professional considering entrepreneurship, if you're already an entrepreneur, if you've been in business, if you're brand new, the takeaway is business is a business transaction. It is not about how you feel at the end of the day when you're working, like whether it's a client agreement, that's why contracts are important. That's why it's important to have insurance. That's why it's important to have a legal entity and protection, all these things, because business is business. Yes, there's personal stuff that gets in the way of how to operate your business and you have to you have to have skills and all of that fine. But approaching it like a business transaction versus what we did, which was like, hey, this is gonna be fun and we'll figure out the details later. Like we're fortunate that it works out. Mm-hmm. Right. And we because we have the relation we have a trusting relationship where we talk about things as they arise. But right. if you don't if you're not feeling if you don't have the 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 confidence and the competence to do that like then you need the papers right like you need the papers to be the business takeaway mm-hmm. business is business interestingly enough so Richie and I now are going to partner so we have a partner in the fitness center it's called Aspire Fitness on and doing business as Title Boxing of Schaumburg <laughs> now we're going to do uh, a partnership on Intelligent Office so I own an Intelligent Office downtown Raleigh now we're going to partner on creating one near this area, right? Cary, Research Triangle Park, something like that. So we're looking for something like that. But this was a little different. Although I've partnered with Richie in the past, to your point, Jenny, my attorney at this point said, okay, so for your other partnership, what kind of operational agreement do you have in place? I was like, we don't have an operational agreement. She says, this is how I cause friends not to get divorces. Mm-hmm. So even if you have a partnership, you should have an operational agreement as well as any other legalese with your partner to say who's responsible for what within the organization. So then there's no hard feelings as to whether one partner is uplifting their, their end or holding up their end or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's setting the expectations mm-hmm. from jump. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you see a lot more joint ventures, partnerships and things like that today. There's a number of people that I've met through my networking, right? So Sarah, the Speakeasy, BNI, uh, Rockstar, all these different networking opportunities out here. And you're meeting some great people who are just like you. And the people I like partnering with, they aren't the individuals who it's about the money. For them, it's about how can I help promote somebody else? How can I help somebody else to come up? So that's what I love about Intelligent Office, because I have a venue right there to work with small and medium businesses and I give them free consulting. So you're coming to me for a service. The service is 
We have what executive offices, we have live answer, we have mailbox services, but do you even know how to brand your organization so that you have that aesthetic professional appearance for your organization? And a lot of people don't know that they've Mm -hmm. been working out of their garage or working from the kitchen table, not realizing, you know what? I need to make this look like it's a brick and mortar, even though it's not a brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. I need to, Jenny brought it up. There's all those different positions within an organization that needs to be done. If, if you haven't read it, and this is where every entrepreneur, solopreneur out there, read the book, The E-Myth, The E-Myth, which is E short for entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. That book is great because it helps you to set up your company like it's a franchise, right? Because the only reason to start a company, in my opinion, is to sell it. Mm-hmm. So if you can't turn that company or if you can't position that company or build it in such a way like a McDonald's that has an operating system and everything to it, and you can now turn that over to somebody else who wants to buy a business, mm-hmm. not a job, then you have to read that book, The E-Myth. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to be said for all of us kitchen table CEOs who are, or garage CEOs, that you can actually give the appearance through the shameless plug for me now, use of branding photography to show that you are more than just a kitchen table, right. car seat, garage CEO, because yeah. that's where staging comes in. That's where it shows you can showcase exactly what you do and how you do it and give the appearance as though you are a full like company versus, you know, that somebody's going to have to worry about meeting you in your garage. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Unless you have the speakeasy and then you can meet in your garage. And I think that's an important value add that you're offering because a lot of spaces don't have that. They don't, they, you come in, you pay your monthly, you use your office, you go, you don't have that opportunity to mastermind and brainstorm and pick Mm -hmm. your brain, things like that. So that's a wonderful value add that you're bringing to the table. Yes. And then networking and bringing people together. Here's an example And so one guy walked into our office and said, hey, I want to sign up. I'm not sure what I need to do. I'm trying to, and I won't give his name. I won't give the names of the individuals here, but (laughs) I want to move. I'm with a law firm. He's an attorney, an IP attorney, right? Intellectual property attorney. I want to open up my own practice, but I want to segue into that. So I'm trying to figure out how to do this. So I say, hey, we're here to help you. First thing we did was we set him up with a mailbox service. So it appears that his office is there. He can then put himself on Google My Business as a result Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. He says, also, I need to meet with clients on a regular basis. Fine. We have meeting rooms, large meeting rooms, small meeting room, or even an office that you can drop into for a day, an hour, a week or whatever. And you can meet with your clients at that point. They will think that this entire Mm -hmm. suite, Mm -hmm. 5,000 square foot suite is your office because we put no signage up saying this intelligent office Mm -hmm. for one thing. The other thing is we started to answer his calls. So we will live answer his calls. And as a result of that, you know, we'll, we have a FAQs that were set, you know, the information Mm -hmm. given to us by him. We, answer the questions, and then we put it into a CRM, Mm -hmm. either our CRM, if he doesn't have one, which is a customer relationship management system, or his CRM, so that he then captures all information from various customers, clients, and whatnot. That's not the key. The key here is I met him walking into the office. Went to the speakeasy, I met another gentleman who does, who helps people who have invented things to get them to market. You see the connection here? Mm -hmm. IP law here. And then you got the guy helping them get to market here. These guys need to meet. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I said, hey, would you guys be interested in knowing one another? I asked them individually and they said, oh, yes, of course. And so what would I do? I connect them. 
So we have some 170 clients right now in the, in the Raleigh office. And now I'm looking at profiling each one. Who needs to meet who? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or whom? Yep. Yep. That's another great value add. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Okay. Like I want to hear the the story of how you got here. Like I want to, let's go back to the beginning because one would imagine that all the adversity and resiliency that has to occur in order to get to this point. Okay. Uh, how far do we want to go back? So, so I'm from Detroit. If you haven't gathered already, I'm an African-American male. I grew up in the roughest sections of Detroit. East side, west side, you name it. Bunch of gangs, grew up during the uh, 70s. So you can imagine we had everything. We had what, the Earl Flynn's, the BK's, the M&M's. These are all the various gangs that were going on back then. And then drugs were really starting to take off back then as well. So most of my friends today who I grew up with are either dead, in jail, or drugged out. And that's, that's what they are. To get out of Detroit, we were taught, okay, you need to learn how to play basketball, football, you need to be a musician. It had to be something like that, being African-American and the only way of getting out. Also, at one point, when my parents divorced, 13, my mom moved us around a lot. And I found myself homeless at one point where I didn't, my mom moved us to Pontiac, Michigan. I didn't want to move back to Detroit because I was doing quite well. Didn't want to deal with the gangs and all that stuff. What entering, I think, my 10th grade year of high school. And my mom said, okay, well, you stay here then. And so I did. And a family actually took me in. I had a little job at Red Barn Chicken. If you guys have heard of that, I'm dating myself. My little job there. And I, I came to work one day and I'm all teary eyed and everything. And, and the girl asked me and she was like, so what's wrong? And I said, well, my mom wants to go back to Detroit. I want to go back to Detroit. I'm doing well here. And I was a straight A student, right? Before my parents divorced. I'm doing well here. I don't want to go back. And so uh, she said, well, why don't you just stay with us? And so my mom left and I stayed with them. Now, Mind you, since I brought the fact I'm African-American, this was a Caucasian young lady who went and talked to her. Her mom said, yes, Lamar can come stay with us. So then I stayed with them for about a year and continued going to school until my aunt and uncle took me in. And then I went back to Detroit. Go ahead. So was that like, we talk about catalytic events, right, in our history. Does that, did that then set the precedent for you to pay it forward, to create those connections for other people where there might not be? Exactly. That's exactly what it did. It, it showed me one that we're one big melting pot here in the United States. And it doesn't matter. It really impressed me that somebody who didn't look like me, who didn't come up like me, was willing to help me. And the fact that this was a single mom who took me in, a young man, what, 13, 14 years old, and and actually trusted me to to do that. Close with this family? Were you like friends with this girl? Like how did... Didn't know them. That's fascinating. Didn't know them. I knew her from work and that's it. So she's like six hours a week that you spent with her that was like, hey, there's this kid that is going to be homeless if we don't take him in. Hey, mom, this kid that I work with, he's going to be homeless. Can he come live with us? And she's never met you. And she's okay. Exactly. (laughs) That's amazing. That's really. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly how it went down. And that's like an earth angel right there. Yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm hmm. And I love them to this day for that. I haven't been in connection for some time now, but the fact that they were willing to do that until my family was willing to step up, my uncle, and they, they took me in. And I actually ended up finishing high school in Detroit. Now, mind you, when 
as you can imagine, with all this moving around and running from gangs and avoiding high school from time to time, my grades plummeted, right? So my straight A's I had when I was in elementary and junior high school, I didn't have that now in high school. Not that I was not capable, but I just didn't have it. So now I'm finishing high school with barely a C average, right? But I'm finishing. And I told myself I had to have a plan. Guidance counselors, there was a lot of unconscious bias, going on mm-hmm. back in the 70s and, they, and probably there even There was today. a lot of conscious bias going on. Let's be real about <laughs> yes, it, right? Yes. There was a lot of discrimination and bias and stereotyping and all of those things that we are really still trying to work our way through now. Mm-hmm. So we call it like it is yes. here at the Girls Who Do Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's grading you on whether or not like you're like, we know we just want you to speak truth. So the guidance counselor did not encourage you to pursue college or didn't show you that there's other, even with a C average, there's other avenues for you to get into college. Like community college, working, a gap year, all of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did the guidance counselor tell you to join the military? No, actually I needed a, a health and hygiene credit to graduate from high school. I was missing that. And ROTC had started up in my high school, my senior year. So I joined ROTC to get that. That, that prerequisite, the credit. The credit. Mm-hmm. And as I'm the oldest one in ROTC and they're just starting up. So guess who becomes a commandant of ROTC? Mm-hmm. I do, right? By virtue of my that, age alone. Right, so. right. That is one of those dumb luck stories, yeah, right? Yeah. That's, you couldn't have planned it better, yeah. but that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as a commandant, I had all these uh, recruiters and whatnot on me and they weren't encouraging me to go into Annapolis or West Point. They're saying, hey, just join the military and me not knowing any better, that's just what I did. I I always wanted a challenge, so I took the hardest one. I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> like, you didn't just join the military, you joined the Marines. Right. Yes. And so, you went to Lejeune. My dad was a Marine, but he was at Lejeune, was my point. Oh, your dad was at Lejeune? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the 60s. Okay. When your mom decided to move and you asked to say, and she gave you permission to say, what meaning did you attach to that experience? You say permission, I say abandonment. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, that was like a, a very diplomatic being, way right. to. Like, I was like, no, we're, what we're, meaning we're, do we're you attach? We're calling it like it is. Right. This, 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 this is the show, this? right? This is the, I, I felt it was abandonment, quite frankly. Right. And I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said permission. I should have just been factual of like yes. when your mom left and you stayed behind. Right. When she left you there, she <laughs> left you in Pontiac and went back to Detroit. Right. Yes. yes. You felt abandoned. I did. I have Mm -hmm. two children. There is no way I would leave my children Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. So my mom and I had a a lot of, a lot of straightening out to do this. We're good now, but there were, as you can imagine, some problems back Mm -hmm. then. That was going to be my next question. Did you work it out or Mm -hmm. was there just too much anger? There was a lot of anger. There was anger over the divorce for the first, and because I was a kid, I was a Brady Bunch kid. Oh, the family's supposed to stay together Mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to finish high school and, and go off to college and all this kind I was that kid. But then my dreams were shattered. My parents divorced him and I told him, I said, how could y'all do, how could you do this? Remember, this is the seventies. My mom jumped all over me at that point. My, my dad came to my rescue, but my mom jumped all over me and said, you, you don't talk to us like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, wasn't talking. Uh, you were trying to understand how did this happened. But anyway, we ended up moving all over the place. I ended up being in Pontiac and eventually got back to Detroit, finishing high school. And I want to point out, too, of how, yeah, it could be received as, oh, that's luck of Mm -hmm. ROTC, things like that. Or 
those are the opportunities that are placed in front of us. And you were able to see it as an opportunity. And then you took that path, like these doors open, but we have to choose whether we're going to go through them or not. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is so true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Th- those right. are pivotal moments as I think back. So first of all, the family taking me in was mm-hmm. a very pivotal moment, gave me a broader outlook on human nature itself and on, on people, right? Mm-hmm. On diversity, on inclusion and so forth, which I fight for, fought for very hard when I was in corporate America, mm-hmm. as well as when I went into the Marine Corps. Now I'm a kid, again, not a bad kid, but I did need some direction. I did need some self-discipline, some confidence building and so mm-hmm. forth. And I'm glad I picked the Marine Corps. It gave me everything that I needed to get to where I'm at today. Because now I can look back. And and even my childhood, even being growing up poor, I can look back and say, you know what? I don't care if my business, I do care if they fail. But if they do fail, (laughs) I've been poor. I've been there. I can do it again. Your resiliency shines through in that. Right. You're You're like, I've I've been on rock bottom. I've been homeless. So I know that's not going to kill me. So I'm good to go. I can handle it. Even if your businesses fail, the likelihood of that happening again is still pretty slim. Right. Because you've created a safety net knowing what, because of the experiences you went through. There are just too many ways out here to make money today. So I. That's, that's a good the, way to look at it too. There, yes. <laughs> when that I, money's going to flow. Yes. Just this week, I've been having those money mindset conversations because I'm looking to build my team for my coaching business. And I was like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I invest this money in bringing these people on mm-hmm. and it goes to shit and I don't get an ROI and I'm out that money. And I'm like, okay, that's the worst thing that can happen. Like money flows and is right. created all the damn time. You can always make you, more money. Yes. You can always generate. You cannot make more time. Right. I was so like, why are you wasting time making these decisions? Ex- Just ex- make the damn decision. Exactly. That's See? my point. Right. <laughs> yes. How much would a training class or a college class education cost you to learn what you learned by buying that business and failing? Because you're not going to make those same mistakes again. So yeah. well, if nothing else, you got yeah. an education. Yes. And that's what we talk about, because that's one of the things that people will ask me point blank, like, where, you know, did you go to school for marketing? I'm like, no, I'm a social worker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but honestly, but I studied that, marketing for 10 years because or more than that. And I like I will go to say that because you're a social worker, that is your dif- what, that's, that's what differentiation. Yeah. Yes, because you are uh, like that makes you know people. Yeah. And so then you can market to people, the psychology yes. of people, why they do it. So, right. If you're out there with a marketing degree, you might want to get a social work degree too. Right. <laughs> it's no, but it's true. Like I can say I have the skill set from doing it and failing multiple times <laughs> with yeah. other businesses, which is why this business is now successful. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. Real estate. Going back to that example, right? Remember, I failed miserably in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared to handle the economy when the economy went down, and I failed miserably. I also learned that when I started up again in Chicago, real estate is not an individual sport. So I was never a a team player. I don't play basketball and football and all that stuff. I never liked team sports. I always did wrestling, running, things like that, individual stuff that I could depend on myself and nobody else. We're not going to unpack that. That's that makes makes complete sense. It totally makes complete sense, (laughs) but we're not going to unpack that right now. We're good. But what I learned is I can't do that in business. I can't be just an individual because I I didn't have a lawyer. I didn't have a CPA. I didn't have a bookkeeper. I didn't have real estate agents and brokers and others that were working with me. I changed all that when I went to uh, Chicago and started doing real estate again quite successfully at that point. And then the same with buying intelligent office and title boxing. 
I put this team behind me mm-hmm. and I'm still expanding that team even to this day because now I had to add members of my team for social networking. So now it's, I don't have expertise in that area and I don't have to, I'm smart enough to go find the right people to help me yeah. do, do the things I need to get done. So. Yep. And I love that you say that because I just posted in my Facebook group about this brave leaders dare to lead. Come and join me in my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, my biggest fail, like I talked about my biggest failure and I was like, listen, my biggest failure in life, I went to, I wasn't ready to go to college. Like I was in the IB program. I was totally burnt out. IB was 10 times harder. The college was a freaking breeze. For those that don't know what IB is, it's international baccalaureate and there are programs in high schools throughout the country. Yes. And it's way harder than (laughs) college will ever be. But so I was burnt out. My parents were going through a very difficult divorce. And I was, as soon as I turned 18, I moved out um, and got out of there because I was like, this is my escape from what was happening. But it didn't set me up for success. I was being set up to fail. Mm -hmm. But everybody told me, IB kids go straight into college and you go to the good colleges and da, da, da. And I had a scholarship and a free ride, but I wasn't ready. I bawled hysterically the first day of college because I did not want to go, but I didn't think I could listen Mm -hmm. to my inner self. And I Mm -hmm. pushed and went but ended up skipping classes and mm. got on academic probation. Oh my God. Yeah. I almost failed. Lost. I got a 0. 0.7. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. possible? It is possible. <laughs> okay. It's meaning that you fail every class except for one where you get a D. Yeah. Okay. Just FYI. Yeah. And ended up losing my scholarship and had yep. to work full time and go to school at night for a good while until I got back on track. Mm-hmm. I graduated with my master's 40 grand in debt rather than a free ride. But I was like, that was my biggest failure, but right. does that have any freaking impact, nev- have any negative impact on me right now? Hell to the no. I pay my damn monthly payment and I move the hell on with life. Yes. And so that, yep. like when I think about failure, um, everything that we see as a failure is just an opportunity yep. for growth and learning. And and so that's what kind of helps me in mm-hmm. my decision-making of perspective. And when like, you're a teenager, it's really, you don't see it at all. Right. Like no. you totally. can't see it. Now I can look back 20 years ago. Go, that was amazing. Right. Like the, a, that I'm still alive right now. <laughs> I'm alive right now. I we can survived. say that on radio. Okay. Wow. Yes. Right. <laughs> like we can say a lot worse than that. Yes. But the, so, but that's the thing, right? Like when you're going through it and when you're, it's all chaos and you can't see the forest for the trees. It's all but pain. Like just mm-hmm. no, yeah, it's all pain. It's all that shit. Mm-hmm. And then you just grow out of it. It's interesting you say that because I, I, the relationship with my mother, as you can imagine, was really bad when I was a teenager to the point that what kid doesn't love their mother? Mm-hmm. My, my wife is a social worker and she's done foster care. And even the kids who have the worst parents that you can imagine they love want them. to they go want, back yes. to mm-hmm. those parents. And I was the same way with, with my mom. And then the, every time there's a hurdle there, then you, you explore like love, hate mom. I hate you for this, but I love you. And I want to be with you yep. just the same. Mm-hmm. And so I had to struggle with that for a long time. And then I got to a point in life where I said, you know what, this is holding me back. I need to go and sit down and have a heart to heart with my mom and tell her how I truly feel mm-hmm. about everything yep. because it's not, it's holding me back economically, socially, yeah. mm-hmm. spiritually. Your personal stuff was personal. showing up in your business. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The theme of the week. Yes. And once I cleaned that up, it was smooth sailing. Right? Yep. From that you point. skyrocket. Yes. Yep. I yes. wish, 
so she's going to pause and share takeaways right now. I know because y'all as a business therapist, I wish people knew that so much because they're like, Oh, let's focus on tactics of business. And I'm like, your, your business is going to stall. The tactics are not going to work. You have to do the inner work first. Mm -hmm. You have yes. to clear your personal stuff. And when you do it freaking skyrockets and everything like, all the doors fly open. But think about all those things, right? If you're struggling in your marriage, there's likely some personal baggage that needs to be addressed so that you can succeed in your marriage. If you're struggling in the workplace, if you have a corporate job and you're listening yep. to this and you're having this weird dynamic relationship with your boss or your boss's boss or a subordinate, there's some uh, personal shit you got to unpack. Yeah. It doesn't just happen one day that like you're struggling, yep. <laughs> right? Like- it builds from somewhere. And when you, you know, break down all of that and you break through the wall and you make it so that you can see through and you resolve it. There's no the rainbow, you know, yes. unicorns start shitting rainbow glitter and, the, and there's no going back. There's gold <laughs> pouring from the sky. Because now you know the difference. Like it yeah. is. That's just what happens. And, and, and there's. I'm and, sorry, go ahead. And let me be clear. If you're listening to this show, it like, don't be like, I don't know anybody. Because if you're freaking listening to the show, yeah, then you call, know yeah. me. And you know me. Right. <laughs> like and then, Lamar. Right. right. Like you can reach out and be like, I'm ready to work through my personal shit so my business can explode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to talk to people who have to get through some personal stuff to grow mm -hmm. a business. And, and then even getting through the fear of transitioning. So I started another business last week by the way. What? <laughs> yes, I did. All right. But what I'm doing is I'm making sure that everything ties in together. Right. So the other business that I started, I'm, I'm actually going to be a business consultant. Don't worry, I'm not competing against you. We're all about competition. competition. Yeah. <laughs> because I am working with individuals who want to transition out of corporate America. Mm -hmm. So either they're being displaced or they want to transition there. Mm -hmm. They could be anywhere from rank and file to executives or whatever. But I bought a franchise consulting company. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I made the investment, I'm doing the training and then already had, I've had a background, right? I own two franchises and have mm -hmm. owned several businesses in the past as well. So who's more qualified in my opinion to, to help somebody. And I made a transition as well as I got to be careful here because I got a couple of uh, NDAs in place, but I, I want to help people, especially who uh, are experiencing age discrimination mm -hmm. uh, through uh, corporate America. It is there. Mm -hmm. It is yep. happening. Yes. The yep. executives are not being valued as they were in the past. I, I was a transformational leader where I would go in and transform IT operations. And then I would find that, hmm, okay, we're paying you X amount. Yes. We can bring in this person for this amount. Yes. Okay. We have a nice severance package for you. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and that was that was it. Truth right there. Yes. Truth. And the girls who do stuff. We do this really fun thing called the lightning round where we rapid fire questions at you and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. You oh, ready? Oh, shucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just said, oh, shucks. Okay. Lob you softball. What's the number one thing on your bucket list? Go to Greece. <gasps> Me too. I love that. Okay. How do you measure success? By the relationships of those around me. Ooh, I, I, write that one. I know I got something <laughs> in my eye. <laughs> do we need to take another pause? Okay. No, I'm good. All right. How do you unwind? I have an art studio in my basement where I uh, create uh, warm glass artwork. So doing it. Interesting. You are a fascinating yes. man. Yes. 
We gotta get him and Rob Turley together. Also ballroom dance. But anyway. <laughs> that is a that light is goal. Awesome. That is awesome. I took ballroom goal. dancing in college. Did you? I did too. I did like a fun thing. In the first, my senior year, I had those random credits that I had to fill. And so I did ballroom dancing the first semester. And the second semester, I did wine and beer appreciation. So I was drunk Ooh. every Wednesday. Why? Why? I Where was this at my school? I don't know. And you went, and I went, I, to, you went to Florida, Florida State. State. Where was that shit? In the dorms. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's so funny. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Kiss my wife. Oh. That's a good answer. That is a good answer. Wifey, he loves you. (laughs) What is the best advice you've ever been told? Mr. Baraducci, my high school uh, algebra geometry teacher, told me, Lamar, you can do this. You're not applying yourself. You think you don't have it within you, but I see that you actually do. Oh, that's so impactful. And I love that you still remember his name and Mm -hmm. that you just called him out right here. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. Awesome. What is something no one knows about you? I'm a black man from Detroit who can't play basketball. (laughs) (laughs) But do you Motown? I love the Motown. I can dance, remember? That's true. Ballroom dancing. That's true. That's true. That's true. The ballroom dancing. That's awesome. You can break it down. Speak easy next time. Who are the people that challenge you? My daughter, Miata, because she never took a corporate job. She's been an entrepreneur from day one. Nice. That's awesome. That need, you said people, so I need more than one? or No, it's one. one is fine. I was like, your answer is your answer, man. Okay. Right. <laughs> you do you, boo. Exactly. Right? What is next for you? I'm 57 years old. I will never retire. When my body breaks down and I can't do anything else, I'll probably go teach or consult. But that's really hard to say. I, next for me is to continue to take on different businesses, different opportunities. For me, it's always been about challenging myself in life. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. I said one day I wanted to go to Harvard. So we didn't discuss this, but I did go to Harvard and, and took uh, sustainability and environmental sciences there, graduate level courses. I wanted to own business. Now I own three. I can't really think of much more that, I really want to accomplish other than more travel. And I guess I would say leave some, some legacy inheritance to my, my kids and my grandchildren, especially in the, in the African-American community, there's so little generational wealth mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's left. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to make sure I do that so that the next generations don't have to work as hard as I did. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're segueing me into my question. Right. Thank you for that. What do you want your legacy to be? Philanthropist, quite frankly. I love the fact that my wife is a social worker. She hates when I said it. But I, I love that she's a... Two a, social workers right here. Right. That's our sister. That's yeah. our sister right there. Yes. But You're she, in the right yeah. crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, she, she's worked with children who, who've had autism. She, she's worked in the school systems. Now she's, she's worked in the foster care system, child protective services, and so forth. But th- to be able to get... I wanted to get up every morning and say, I did something that improves somebody's life. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that in corporate America, which is why I am so glad I do what I do now because mm-hmm. I can say that. My wife does it a hundredfold mm-hmm. what I do. I bask in her glory and the, the things that she does or I, what's the term, live vicariously mm-hmm. uh, through her mm-hmm. and what she does in, in society. Because to me, I want our legacy to be that we've gave, we've given something back to help people through STEM education, through entrepreneurship, 
we have people who started out rough in life, much like we did, or who are in underserved communities to actually improve themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Love it. Okay. If your life were made into a biopic, if it was a movie, who would play you? Who's sexy enough to play me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. You're going to edit that, right? No, 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 that's no, that's in. In. no ghosts. <laughs> you know, I'm going to pick, uh, and, and, I, and I'm going to do this because my his birthday is the same as my wife's birthday, and she said she should have married him. Denzel Washington. So nice. Denzel's going to have to play me in this case. So, that's, awesome. Um, yeah. that's awesome. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's All awesome. Right. All right. Last one. If your life had a theme song, what would it be? I don't know why this popped in my head, but remember that song by Soul to Soul? Back to life. Back, back to, to reality. reality. That's back like, yes. That's enough we can't listen to. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, even if we're just singing it, <laughs> he does that every time it's past a certain amount. You can get away with it. Right. <laughs> Love it. I, I, with me, I can easily be a, a, a pie in the sky kind of individual and I took what's called a predictive index. And mm-hmm. I was considered to be a maverick as a <gasps> fist bump. Okay. <laughs> so I apparently need to get on that band because uh, right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And so I, I can, I'm, I mm. always have ideals. And it's almost like when people have problems, I'm like, you don't see the solution to right. that. It's right there in front of you. I yep. know Sarah, you do the same thing, right? Yep. So I, I would say to stay grounded. And that's why that song pops in my head, right? Back to life, back to reality, mm-hmm. back to the here and now and then. So I need to keep myself grounded day by day. And I have good ideals, but there's ideals. And then there's following through on those ideals as yep. well. Yep. And I think that's where that song comes in as well. Love it. Awesome. Love it. All right. So where can our listeners find you? You can find me at Intelligent Office. Phone number 919-719-3900-555 Fayetteville Road, downtown Raleigh. And you can always find me on LinkedIn as well. That's what I was going to say. If you are not local. Right. Because we do have (laughs) listeners that are not local to the triangle. And they may want to connect with you on LinkedIn. And it's Lamar Cook. Lamar with two R's. Yes. If you Google my name. This is so great because my name has two R's and very few Lamar's do. If you Google Lamar Cook, it will pull up my LinkedIn profile. There you go. Love it. That's good SEO. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. It is our honor that we were your first podcast. You were my first. We're still being salacious here? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going there. Okay. (laughs) Everybody knows what we're all thinking though. Okay. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff today. We appreciate you. I am Jenny Midgley. Remember to follow us, share, subscribe. If you want to find us, we're on the social media platforms. You can find us, Girls Who Do Stuff, and girlswhodostuff.com. Thank you. We appreciate you all for listening and for spending your time with us. I am Sarah Madras. And I am Jenny Midgley. And And you you do do you, you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.